This is Unfilter, episode 292 for March 19th, 2020. Tonight, the American shutdown, perhaps spreading faster than the coronavirus. Today, more city centers, small businesses, and rural schools shuttered as the illness spikes again, now reaching every state, infecting thousands and killing more than 100 nationwide. Welcome back to your Unfiltered program, your talk show that's watching all of the news so you don't have to and is trying to go as daily as possible during a global pandemic. My name is Chris. And yes, it is daily by two episodes right now. However, I won't be here Monday. I won't be here Friday. But I'm trying to get it as daily as possible while all of the world is blowing up with COVID-19. Never really seen anything like this in my lifetime. And this show was created to document historic events from a people's perspective. To create the people's history in real time. A safe space, if you will. A safe space. (laughs) A safe space for history. (laughs) I do have a bit of a home emergency right now. So I'm going to be out Friday. I'll likely be out Monday. But I want to set expectations. The show's back. If you missed 291, go catch it on filter.show slash 291. I've heard from so many of you. I'm bringing the show back. I've been talking with my buddy Chase. Sounds like he's interested in rejoining once we get things rolling. I'm pulling this thing up by its bootstraps. It's just me. There's no network. I have no producer. I have no co-host. I just have myself and you. But I feel like we need a community space to discuss what's going on right now. And I'm here in the epicenter of in Seattle. I need this, too. Unfilter.show slash subscribe. Since my release schedule is going to be basically as often as I can do it, just go get, go get the feed. And then you don't have to worry about it. It's true. Unfilter's back, baby! President Trump's gotten what he's always wanted. Now he's a wartime president fighting an invisible enemy. Just the kind of thing the United States of America loves. President Trump today called in the cavalry, directing the military to send the hospital ship Comfort to New York Harbor, the Mercy, to a location on the West Coast. And he today signed the Defense Production Act to possibly ramp up inventories of desperately needed medical supplies. A thing like this has never been requested. We need respirators. We need uh, ventilators is a big thing because it's a complex piece of equipment. So we have a lot of ventilators, but we're going to be ordering more. President Trump said at this point he was only authorizing the act. Earlier, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer urged him to use it and use it now. We know that in two weeks, the number of ventilators might become a massive problem. We must get ahead of it and get ahead of it now. The bill he's, is- he's real passionate about it. You can really tell Chuck Schumer wants to save lives. We must get ahead of it and get ahead of it now. The bill is passed. 
As the Senate moved to pass the House bill on testing, paid leave, and unemployment insurance, the Treasury Secretary today said the next phase of fiscal stimulus could top $1.3 trillion. The Treasury Department will be sending out checks in two tranches worth $250 billion apiece. The first on April 6th, the second on May 18th. Oh, there you go. There's your dates, folks. April 6th and May 18th. $50 billion apiece. The first on April 6th, the second on May 18th. The size of the individual checks, still unknown. Hasn't been determined yet, but it will shortly be determined, and people want to go big as opposed to everybody seems to want to go big. A lot of people are saying, everybody's saying, let's go big. So um, since I've been back one day, the number one question that's come into me is, what do I think about this aspect of all of this, the money? Giving the money, is it going to help the economy? Because we covered the economy a lot in 291. And I got a couple updates for you today as well. Uh, I'll give you a short version of my opinion. I'm, I, like so many things, am continually reevaluating and adjusting my opinion as all of this evolves. But when it comes to writing checks for Americans, I think it's a decent idea eventually. I don't think it's a great idea right now. I think it's sort of... What is it? What's the phrase like uh, using all of your powder? You know, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a, you know, you don't want to you don't want to essentially um, use up your best weapon to fight a recession while everyone is still panicking and sheltering and staying inside. And the only thing they're spending money on right now is toilet paper. If you want this money to jumpstart the economy and keep things rolling, you kind of need to cut these checks as the virus is clearing and people are going back into um, regular routines and life, they're going back to work, they're going back to uh, shopping centers, they're going back to movies, and, and they're doing things that we used to do before we all were socially distancing. Then they're going to spend that money in the economy that goes into businesses and small businesses and, and things like that. If you give it to them now while they're all sheltering at home, I don't think it's going to be a super effective tool to restart the economy. I think it's going to have a, a it's going to have some impact, obviously, and I'm I'll hap- I'll happily take that money, but I don't think it's going to be the stimulus package that they want it to be, no matter how big they all go. President saying America is on a wartime footing. Yeah, I look at it. I, I view it as a, uh, in a sense, a wartime president. I mean, that's what we're fighting. I, I mean, do whine because I want to win. It's a, uh, it's a. Uh, It's a very tough situation here. New data out of France and Italy today shows a troubling increase in serious illness among younger people who are assumed to have a natural resistance to the virus. All right, let's pause there. So this is an interesting um, thing I've noticed developing over the last 24 to 48 hours. And that is the new messaging around young people are at risk. This is the this isn't the very first time with the uh, coronavirus news cycle that I've seen this, but it's the most consistent. Everybody just turned on a dime. Every single news network. You just that was Fox. I was just playing. Here's another network. CBS News medical contributor Dr. Tara Narula will be with us throughout the show to answer questions, and she joins us now. Uh, we heard Dr. Burks mention spring break and people shouldn't be out there on the beaches. That's mostly young people. We also now know that the CDC says 20% of hospitalizations are young people. Now, that clip's a little funky because it's, uh, CBS has messed up their audio. So let's go to another network. Good evening, and it's great to have you with us here this Wednesday night. There were new warnings today from the White House. This is ABC News, obviously. This is David. What they're seeing in younger patients and the coronavirus now in all 50 states. 
Another mention of the younger patients. Another mention right there on the lead, on the old lead ski of ABC News. And of course, it's a hot topic right now because it's spring break. So what better time, what better excuse to go down to the beaches and interview young girls in bikinis? They're so transparent. Arm that too many millennials are defying orders to avoid crowds. Damn millennials. After countless images like these, young people... Did- it's literally a... It's, it's, it's just a shot of women in bikinis. There's no men in this shot. It's just women dancing in bikinis. Descending on Florida beaches. You have the potential then to spread it to someone who does have a condition that none of us knew about and cause them to have a disastrous outcome. And so this is the logic here. And it you know, checks out. You got you to gotta keep the young people healthy so that way they don't make the sick pe- uh, the young the young people don't make the old people sick. You get what I'm following. You know what I mean. Um, and so the the new push here is, is young people, even though you're not going to get that sick, you're going to spread it, you fools. Stop it. Tonight, the White House Coronavirus Task Force is warning young people to stop gathering in crowds. They say there's new evidence that young adults and teens are more susceptible to the virus than initially thought. The news always uh, struggles. <laughs> <laughs> with credibility but when they when they just keep talking about the young people and millennials they sound totally out of touch technically i'm a millennial i'm also almost 40 years they old they say there's new evidence that young adults and teens are more susceptible to the virus than initially thought oh now we've got something a little extra here the warning comes as thousands of spring breakers are partying away in florida <sighs> Damn kids, damn kids, and they're partying. That must be how uh, the two Congress critters got it. We've got a breaking report at this hour of a second member of Congress who's tested positive for coronavirus, Congressman Ben McAdams of Utah. He announced it tonight on Twitter. McAdams says he self-quarantined the moment he developed mild cold-like symptoms, continues that isolation now that he is tested positive. And even as the pandemic reaches the halls of Congress, other parts of government keep truly focused on the wrong things. John- I'll stop him there. He's going to go on as one of his little MSNBC rants. I... I don't really uh, fully understand why Congress didn't take more dramatic actions. They seem like they are all in the risk group. Seems like a weird one for them to just sort of be soups cash about. Oh, no bigs. Oh, yeah, a couple of us got it. So no bigs. It's not like it's super contagious and we're all exactly in the risk demo. Actually, maybe this would be a good thing. Maybe this could be a good thing. I want to talk about the National Guard. I've gotten a few links from you saying, uh, well... Prepare yourself, Chris. You're going to be screwed. You're not going to be able to go get Lady Jupes fixed. You're not going to get into Oregon. They're going to bring in the National Guard and declare martial law and shut down the borders. And they're staging the National Guard just in case this happens. That's that's and you know you can find you can find several articles online that that go into this. And they got pictures of the National Guard and they got boats and all this kind of stuff. Very scary. But I wonder. What do you expect the National Guard to do in a situation like this? What should they just be chilling at home, you know, watching the news, listening to Unfilter, or should they be preparing to help? I I, I could definitely see both sides of this. I, I mean, I'm also afraid of a lock, further lockdown. In fact, when I think about COVID nineteen and how it impacts me and my family, the biggest impact is the reaction to it not the virus itself, to my family right now. So when I hear things about like the National Guard is staging in Washington State, it does concern me a little bit. So I went to try to find some clips about this, and I found one from Tulsi Gabbard, which 
I kind of, I kind of, at least maybe trust her more than other politicians. Uh, I mean, she's obviously not presidential, right, guys? In addition to signing the latest coronavirus response package sent to him by Congress, the president also signed the Defense Production Act today, and it could invoke wartime authority over production of certain equipment. Joining us now to talk about what role the military might eventually play, Congresswoman, presidential candidate, and major in the Hawaii National Guard, Tulsi Gabbard. Good to have you with us live. Geez, she's like super credentialed. Um, she seems level-headed and has military experience. <laughs> Boy, good thing she's not doing better, huh? Thanks, Shannon. Great to see you. Okay, so you know, uh, as somebody who still deploys and, and activates uh, as a National Guardsman, what this could mean. And I know that there's a hesitance from some people who say, listen, some of the people that we need are key in their civilian lives, too. They're medical professionals or, like you, a lawmaker or doing other important things. Um, what would it mean to have more of the National Guard mobilized? Uh, look, I think that this is going on a state-by-state, as-needed basis, but this is literally the role and the function of the National Guard, to be able to step up and to provide essential services during times of crisis, just like this. Uh, my first four years in the, the Hawaii Army National Guard were spent serving in a medical unit, deployed to Iraq. We were there for nearly a year. I served with amazing medics and doctors, PAs, nurses, and dentists, all of whom, yes, they have civilian jobs here, but who are ready to respond in a way that sometimes only the National Guard is best equipped to do so. And in like states across the country, I know here in my home state, people are standing ready should that activation occur, uh, myself included. Okay, so um, you are a multitasker. When the world is threatened, the world needs help, it calls on America. And that's the story. I was surprised that Fox News had her on. You know, they're usually all in on Trump. Uh, but I think uh, fair play to them. She's uh, obviously experienced. And I think I believe her. I, I, I want to believe her. <laughs> that's what it is. I want to believe her. Um, because uh, the thought of something more dramatic happening than what's already happened is very unsettling. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much further it can go. Now, in Washington state, my home state, most of the deaths and the reports in Washington state have all come from the town of Kirkland. Yes, the Costco brand, but the town of Kirkland at a retirement at a retirement home called Life Care Center. In fact, that's really been the cluster of most of where all of this started and the most um, like the, the most spread um, contain I'm, I'm losing my words now because it's too early. It's like the most um, transmissions. That's that's the word I'm trying to look for. So contributed to the spread, including staff members who worked while symptomatic and worked in more than one facility. Inadequate supplies, including personal protective equipment and hand sanitizer and limited testing. Both my sister and I had concerns about the lack of use of hand sanitizer and only having masks on and wearing the same mask in and out of one room to another. Are there things within the report that are troubling to all of us? Of course. There was questions about proper infection control. This disease, this virus requires measures different 
than anything else we dealt with before. So what the report finds here. Care Center employees and 14 visitors also contracted the virus. What the report finds here is that they just were not using proper containment protocols at all. And as a result, something just ravished their it just ravished their community. And it created, I mean it really set off a panic here in Washington state. It really was the spark that lit the panic. And it just was these all these horrible numbers that were developing so rapidly because they're the most vulnerable in that retirement community. What we need, and thankfully our White House has zeroed in on, zeroed in on this, is we need gamers. So again, I'm going to call on that generation that's part of that group that brought us innovation, particularly throughout all of their ability to look around corners and skip through games. Um, what? What? I always went level by level. I didn't realize that you could go from level three to level seven. Um, that's what they've taught us. They look for things that we don't see. What? Is she, is she talking about speedrunners? And everybody around her has a very super serious face. Yeah, oh yeah, this is real. This is this is how it works here. Games, um, I always went level by level. I didn't realize that you could go from level three to level seven. Um, that's what they've taught <laughs> us. They look for things that we don't see. We need them to be healthy. That's, uh, that's what millennials will do. They'll bring innovation. They'll look around corners. And they go from level three to level seven. That's why we need the millennials. <laughs> To look around corners and skip through games. Um, I always went level by level. I oh, she always went level by level, guys. So the millennials will save us from COVID. We need them to stay healthy. Stay healthy, millennials. You're going to save us all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If that's it, if that's, why, if that's what's going to save us, then uh, you all screwed because I'm getting my RV and I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Let's shift gears to the economy. And while things are an absolute mess here in the Seattle area, there's one particular type of business that seems to be seeing a boom. Ha! See what I did there? And that's the gun industry. Their sales are skyrocketing right now. You know Americans are stocking up on bread and water and toilet paper. Yes, toilet paper. You've seen the pictures. You've probably been in line at the store. <laughs> you guys have to shop for yourselves. I'm rich. <laughs> thanks, Brett. Yeah, thanks for the reminder. Also, still loving the teepee jokes. Still loving the teepee jokes. Bread and water and toilet paper. Yes, toilet paper. You've seen the pictures. You've probably been in line at the store. But tonight, we'll tell you what else your fellow citizens are buying in big numbers. National correspondent William Lajeunesse shows us from Los Angeles. Now, if you're a Brett Bear connoisseur, uh, you may have noticed here that he sounds a little different. In fact, that's been one of the most fascinating things to watch from a production standpoint is the different media outlets that are working in smaller areas or 
or contained areas or alternative studios or perhaps my absolute favorite thing that's happened has been the late night talk show hosts working from home or doing their shows without an audience. Oh, man, do I love this. How weird and awkward. It's like the energy in their presentations is completely gone. And one of my favorites has been Jimmy Fallon, who's just basically launched a podcast at home. Um, Like his wife's recording it on her phone and he's holding up paper for his logo and he's just drinking beer and talking about stuff and his kids are around. Like it's obviously somewhat contrived because everything on television is. However, it it honestly feels like Jimmy Fallon has been wanting to do a podcast for a long time and now he's just got himself he's got himself a vlog on television. And it's been something else to watch these guys try to continue to do their show, try to make their funny jokes without their audience applause and laughter. Just doesn't land the same way and they've had to really change things up. Even the news, reporters aren't coming into the studio and they're interviewing people over remote connections. So the reporter's remote and the interviewee is remote. And it's like podcasting has taken over mainstream media. Coliseum Guns, how can I help you? From New York to California. With everything rapidly declining, it's now or never. To Colorado. A little bit of uh, maybe. Wow, that guy is bleak, huh? You know, Rome's falling. Time to arm yourselves and prepare for the worst. Protect your family, protect your children, you know, do what you got to do. Thing rapidly declining, it's now or never. <laughs> He's just so blasé about it. He's just... New York to California. With everything rapidly declining, it's now or never. And also, I have the video version here, which um, we'll talk about more at some point in the future. But his face is also just, it has totally just nonchalant. I just, I got to say it one more time. From New York to California. With everything rapidly declining, it's now or never. You know. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> don't, people, don't let it get this bad, okay? We have to hold a higher bar. We can make it better. The people have the power. We, we, we just have to get organized. <laughs> oh, God. You know, everything's going to shit. Get your guns. You know, it's no big. All right, New one York more time. To one California. More time. <laughs> With everything rapidly declining, it's now or never. To Colorado. <laughs> oh. A little bit of, uh, maybe I won't be able to get it tomorrow, a little bit of uh, uncertainty. Gun sales around the U.S. shooting sky high. They're like literal zombies. They don't care. They just want something. They don't care what it is, what, you know, make, model, doesn't matter. Just give me something. That's all they want. The FBI says background checks surged to a near record of $3 million in February. I'm afraid of what might happen. You know, if they go into martial law, they can't get to the markets or have food. They're going to resort to probably looting other people's houses or whatnot, so I'd just rather be safe than sorry. Well, what could go wrong now? I, I mean, this isn't going to lead to um, a powder cake situation. And I think it's, I think they're being a little disingenuous too. I think people are concerned Biden's going to win the election possibly, and then they're going to take their guns. I mean, it's not a guaranteed. I would be surprised if Biden could beat Trump, to be honest with you. Uh, but um, it may happen. And if it does happen, I think people are concerned about what his gun policies will be. So you have the pandemic and the impending threat of martial law driving these sales. And then, of course, it's an election year 
and gun sales always go crazy now. It's been like this for a while on an election year. They're going to resort to probably looting other people's houses or whatnot, so I'd just rather be safe than sorry. Woof! These people are bleak. I know everyone's scared right now, and they're uncertain, so what you're going to experience is people preparing themselves. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, when you have the news that's just slamming you, and it's just getting worse and worse day after day, People have to react. I needed an outlet. I had to do something. I started this show back up. You guys needed something to be, hopefully, <laughs> keep you sane. I think we all need that. I think right now we need it more than ever. And that's why just having a balanced, more centrist-type conversation about this stuff, where we take out the political, supercharged arguments, and we just talk about how this is impacting our lives, really, as the people scared right now and they're uncertain so what you're going to experience is people preparing themselves it's not a bunch of vigilantes it's just people who are concerned about protecting their families yeah i will say this um in the lines the the, there's no one demographic you know it's not all a bunch of white supremacists um and it's not all a bunch of poor people that are going to go loot houses it's it is the whole walk of life the whole slice it's all types that are in these lines getting these guns. The sales are so off the charts in the Seattle area that I've heard that some shops are requiring that you buy a gun if you want bullets because bullets are going so fast they needed to put the brakes on it. So they said, well, you got to buy a gun to get bullets, which obviously adds a bit of a price barrier. And people are doing it. Ammunition is also in short supply. Ammo is ridiculous. About an hour ago, we got in an order of 6,000 9 millimeters. They're already gone. Owners say 90% are new buyers, including many Asian Americans. I've already encountered people who tell me to stay inside, wash my hands, get out of here. These panic gun sales are not going to cure anything. They're not going to put food on the table for anybody. Law enforcement fears new buyers mean more accidents. If you have one in the home, do you secure it safely? It's locked. It's inaccessible to anyone. Most gun buyers only have to pass a background check. Not true here in California and nine other states, which require a waiting period, three to ten days. So for these people, concerned about the coronavirus and its fallout, they'll have to wait. Yeah, that might be why they're acting now, too. I think that waiting period makes people act. If they, if they thought, well, I could just walk in and get one anytime I want... They actually might not do it. I know that sounds crazy, but I think it's true. I do. So that part of the economy, doing great. Doing great. Isn't that fantastic? The New York Stock Exchange, however, not doing so great. They will be closing the floor. There will be no in-person trading, which, again, social distancing people. Come on. I thought this was a really important big deal. Because of the coronavirus, floor trading may Maybe ending as early as next week. Richard Quest has got the details for us. Richard, what are you learning? From Monday the 23rd, uh, the New York Stock Exchange has decided to close the f- trading floor. But, Wolf, but electronic trading will continue. So the market is not being closed. Only the floor, the famous floor that you see every day where traders and brokers and designated market makers come together. The actual market will remain open. Apparently, there had been several cases of traders and people on the floor having been tested positive for the virus. And basically, the exchange said the only way to realistically continue was to go to an all-electronic trade system. This whole 
working from home, going electronic, switching to takeout and delivery instead of going in person. I wonder how much of this will stick. You must be wondering this too, right? I think the work from home stuff should stick. Obviously it won't, but ah, man, if like 10, 20% of it could, that would be really great. Think about think about the um, environmental argument. It's clearly better for the environment if we take 30 to 40% of cars off the road and get people to start using uh, or use less. You just going going into the office consumes more in general, more food, more everything, more resources. Have people stay from home. It's, a, it's an environmental argument, and it's now also a health argument. So I, I, I'd love to see that aspect of some of this change. I, I could do away with the old handshake too. I mean I, I'm not going to be super upset. I, 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 I've gotten used to it. But it does seem kind of like an odd custom, great way to spread germs. Maybe just a fist bump. I don't know. That'd be fine. We all go Howie Mandel on this thing. Boeing would love some sort of bump, bump in sales. Boeing shares uh, have been plunging, losing about 70% of their value over the past month, oh. even amid talk uh, of a bailout. Phil LeBeau joins us now with more. Hey, Phil. Hey, Joe. The question is, will that bailout ultimately go through? Most believe that it will. We've heard from Eamon Javers earlier today, and then the question becomes, how quickly does everything get passed? And then how quickly does that money go out to Boeing, which by extension, we should point out, then goes to aviation suppliers. I've had a number of people say, well, Boeing shouldn't get $60 billion. No, the $60 billion is not going exclusively to Boeing. It is going to be also uh, doled out, if you will, to a number of suppliers in the aerospace uh, ecosystem. And that's the whole idea here is that you want to keep that from collapsing right now. So they're going to get their bailout. We just don't know exactly what the timing is. Are you surprised? Are you surprised? No. As of this morning, though, when I went on air, economists were coming uh, on the different talk shows and releasing their uh, their studies saying that things in the economy are Worse than we had been charting and trending so far. The existing models were underpredicting how bad things might be. Uh, Steve, you have a couple of charts for us that uh, put the market hemorrhaging into historical perspective. And also we'll talk about how we respond. But what do you have? Uh, well, look, first of all, I think every day that goes by, the economists get more and more uh, pessimistic about what we're looking at. We are now looking at it's not a question of whether we're going to be in a recession. It's not a question of whether we are in a recession. Uh, we are in a recession, and it seems to be unfolding as a recession of really historic performances. And a number that came out yesterday, I think that stunned a lot of us, was a new forecast from J.P. Morgan, in which they're looking now, uh, a week ago, I think they were looking at 3 or 4% down GDP in the second quarter. They are now looking at 14% annual rate decline in GDP in the, 14, in the fourth quarter, uh, second quarter, rather. That would be a historic record by any measure. We have never had a decline in quarterly GDP, at least since the Depression, of more than 10%. And you can see the magnitude of that decline if you look back over here at what happened in the Great Recession, which was about an 8% decline in the worst quarter. Now, J.P. Morgan is projecting that we'll have a, a big jump up in the, in the second, in the third quarter, rather, as people get back to work and start spending the money they're not spending. Uh, that's-, that's the big hope. But of course, if that's late in the second quarter, if at best, maybe the third quarter, and you're giving them the money now, is that going to work? And like I mentioned yesterday, we have another problem. The oil price war, which I'll have links in the show notes, is just getting, well, it's great for consumers, but it's getting real bad for employers. That's a real mixed one that's going to have long-term knock-on effects in the economy. 
But this is a worldwide problem. It's not just a U.S. economy problem. Just like the previous global financial crisis, we're, we're going to have other countries that enter their own recessions, which will lead to another global financial crisis. Developing overnight, hospitals and healthcare workers bracing for an onslaught of coronavirus patients. In some cases, they're already there. At this hour, there are nearly 9,000 cases nationwide. That's a 45% increase since yesterday. 149 Americans have died. New data from the CDC shows that nearly 40% of the first patients in the U.S. who are sick enough to be hospitalized are between the ages of 20 and 54. Yep, and this is why... Uh, a member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force is pleading with young... Oh, sorry, I got distracted because once again, they're showing, they're showing videos of uh, women in bikinis. Um, I, I, they just love any excuse they can to do this. So... Um, I think this is I think this number is getting is is getting to people. You see it in the sales of the guns. You see it in the impact of the economy. You see it around the world. This works out the details of a one trillion dollar economic stimulus package that could be finalized by early next week. When you start talking stimulus package, you start signaling to the public things are really bad. And when you start using the numbers up into the trillions, I think the public knows what that means. The death toll in Italy is rising by a record 475 people in one day. Healthcare workers are struggling to contain the worst national crisis that that country has endured since World War II. More than 3,500, sorry, 35,000 people are infected and almost 3,000 have died. 60 million people are under lockdown there. Other European countries are tightening restrictions to keep the pandemic from spreading as well. And CNN's Clarissa Ward is live in London with the latest. So what are they doing, Clarissa? That's right, Alison. So we're here in the heart of London in Covent Garden. Anyone who's visited Britain's capital has probably been here before. Normally, this would be heaving with hundreds, if not thousands of people. It's a very popular, busy destination. Now you can see... <laughs> practically nobody out on the streets. And if we just walk over here this way, you can see Covent Garden tube station. This is the underground subway system is now closed. One of dozens of London tube stations that have been shut down temporarily. But despite these measures, Allison, the European numbers are continuing to climb. We reached a particularly grim milestone today, which is that the total number of cases and deaths across the European continent have now surpassed China. Just let that sink in for a moment. So you're going to see this slowdown happen everywhere, just like it's happening here in Seattle. And when I say everywhere, I mean at a large, large macro level. Obviously, there'll be some local spots that are less impacted in these different countries, and they won't see quite the same slowdown. I, I noticed this just when I was on a return trip and when all of this was really unfolding initially here in our area. We made it to southern Oregon, and it felt like a totally different world at that point. And as we drove north through Eugene and through Portland and up into up into the southern Washington area, it was like we were entering a whole different world. Everything was changing, and you, as you went north, the grocery stores and everything would just have less and less less and less stuff. There was less and less people, and it, you just sort of see this slowdown kind of grind the entire economy. And it'll happen at a world level. So I'm something I'm going to be watching pretty closely is how everybody responds to this and the impact of it. But something 
we haven't had a chance to talk about yet and something that I want us to get to is the presidential election. That would almost be enough reason right there to restart this show. And I I thought maybe hmm, – I thought maybe Sanders had a shot this time. But it sounds like things aren't going well for Bernie. Things are looking great for Joe. And I think it's starting to finally catch up with the burn. For the rest of 2020, Sanders clearly annoyed when asked by reporters if he is dropping out. I'm dealing with a global crisis. Right now, I'm trying to do my best to make sure that we don't have an economic meltdown Mm -hmm. and that people don't die. I'm dealing with a fucking global crisis right now. I mean, he's obviously got a lot going on. Um, But that sounds like a man who's pretty upset. And maybe part of that is he knows this was his last shot to make a big change. He's too old now, and there's nobody quite like him in the government. Nobody else quite like Bernie. And if he doesn't get this, it's never going to happen. And I think he is in the process of dealing with that realization, and which is why they haven't made any announcements yet. But he's obviously pretty raw about it. I'm trying to do my best to make sure that yeah. we don't have an economic meltdown mm-hmm. and that people don't die. Is that enough to you to I've, keep me busy for tonight? I've- his campaign emailing supporters, no sugarcoating it, last night did not go the way we wanted, and no donor button soliciting contributions. The campaign is no longer running active Facebook ads. Biden is appealing to Sanders supporters. So let me say, especially to the young voters who have been inspired by Senator Sanders, I hear you. I know what's at stake. I know what we have to do. Sanders heading home to Vermont with some advisors wanting him to leave the door open in case things change. Others saying he has the most leverage now to get policy concessions from Biden and unite against President Trump. Lester? All right, Ed. There you go. So that's something I'll be watching. Now, it's very unlikely I'll have a show for you tomorrow. It's very unlikely I have a show for you Monday, but I'm going to try to keep this going, try to get it picked back up early next week. So that's another story I'll be following along with everything else. And I'd like to get your feedback, which you'd like to see us get into that we haven't talked about yet, unfilter.show slash contact. And of course, grab every single episode by subscribing, unfilter.show slash subscribe. I'm at Chris LAS on the Twitter. Check out my personal site, chrislast.com, where I'm also offering podcast consulting. Hmm. Did you know this show is produced completely live? Everything is live to tape. Rumors have it. It was post-produced. Those rumors are false, my friends. It's all live to tape. But how do you get that right? How do you prepare a show? How do you reach a demo? And what are you not quite doing right and you need somebody to just tell you the truth? chrislast.com slash consulting. The hardest thing about making a podcast is getting it heard. It's got to be really good now. Now, go say hi to my buddy at Nunes on the Twitter. I hope to be hearing from him very soon on the show. And get links to the things I talked about, including the information about the oil price war at unfilter.show slash 291. You can find past episodes there as well. Thanks so much for joining. I'd love to hear your encouragements. Keep me going. At Chris Lass on Twitter, at Chris Lass on Telegram. Let's get this show back in the groove. Spread the word. Let people know. Help us keep it going. Unfilter's back, baby. Thanks so much for joining us, and I'll see you back here next week.
mommy needs a joint 